Now we're here. How do we get out? Now we're here. How do we get out? Presented by actor and animal activist Peter Regan and filmmaker Andrew Telling. Hi, Andrew. How are you? Very well, thank you. Yeah, I've been well. How about you? How have you yes, been? Yes, really well, really well. Thanks very much. Um, I mean, I think, like all of us, I'm getting a little kind of, um, what's the word, jet-lagged. Jet, jet. <laughs> what did we come oh. up with the other day? Life-lagged. 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 Yes, Life-lagged. I think it's, um, I mean, we're all feeling the same thing. Of course. It's very, yeah. very pervasive, this kind of dreadful virus that is interrupting all of our lives in the way that it is. But, you know, I, I can't help thinking, you know, because it's either, depending on which part of the world you're in, it's either referred to as the China virus or COVID-19 or, the, or a, a, a virus created by animals. And, um, you know, it's, uh, although it's a zoonotic disease uh, which jumps off an animal to a human, um, it's created by humans, isn't it? Because uh, ult- Ultimately, yeah, yeah it's, um, it's, it's humans are at the end of the chain and the reason yeah. why it's there in the first place. Exactly. I mean, we, we are catching it and we're suffering the huge consequences of it. But it's directly as a result of how we humans treat animals um, and not necessarily prepare them, but stack them mm. like sardines mm. in those wet markets, of course, in Southeast Asia, as we know. And the, these diseases are rampant. And as we've said before, they are also super bugs in uh, intensive meat production in the West. So, you know, it's a disaster all round, really. And I found it really fascinating listening to Philip Limbury in our first two podcasts and, you know, us interviewing him and then followed by Juliet Galatly, uh, the founder of Viva. And I just found both those conversations that we had riveting. What, what I found fascinating about both of them is that they they came to the interview and indeed conduct their lives in, in a similar way in that they are, they are making ethical choices. Yeah. But many of those ethical choices are backed up with just pure science yes. fact as well. Yeah. So... What I found to be the takeaway point is is that it it really doesn't matter what your view is in terms of what you put into your mouth. Mm. There are serious atrocities being created by the way in which we have mistreated animals. The science is absolutely clear on that. There's no question about it. And that's the, that's the, the, the key piece of information that they are trying to disseminate at the moment. Yes, absolutely. And the bit that I took away, which was, why are we not talking more about this? Well, that's a very interesting question. I think it's right on the money. Um, there is no point in just being compassionate if it isn't backed up by science and stats, you know. Mm. Uh, it's We can all care, but we have to care with knowledge and understanding and a designed journey based on science and facts that's going to lead us out of the enormous problem that we um, find ourselves in at the moment. Um, and as you say, it's uh, why aren't people more willing to talk about it or indeed more interested, say, in listening to the fantastic podcasts we produced in these last three conversations. Um, I mean, we are getting some terrific uh, feedback and and some uh, good listening figures from it. But I think in terms of the size of the problem, not enough. And I, I think a part of it is to do with the fact that people are really frightened of changing the status quo. People have got to take seriously the fact that they have a 
deep responsibility to the health of not only our planet. And I think the most clear way to fulfilling that duty is by changing our eating habits and our travel habits, you know. I think most people are going to say to that that, you know, I'm not, none of this is deliberate. I'm not doing this. This is not me. This is not my fault. This is how I've been brought up into society. This is the fault of the governments by not doing X, Y, Z. This Mm -hmm. is the fault of the industrialized agricultural business. There's a long long chain of of people behind that. There is indeed. And I agree entirely with that journey, that path that is, that predetermined path that is being created by others always in this situation. It's you driven say, by a need. Yeah, but people ask, people say, but that's, I'm not, that, that, I've got nothing to do with that. Mm. I'm just trying to live my life, you know. And, and, and oh, oh, it's a luxury to care. Oh, it's a luxury to be committed. Oh, it's a luxury to choose a plant-based lifestyle. I'm, you know, on the breadline and I have to eat what what's available and what's cheapest. Um, and I think that, uh, what people don't lock into, uh, I think, is the fact that a plant-based lifestyle is, firstly, much cheaper than and, uh, than a meat-based lifestyle anyway. And of course it is. The status quo is created by habits of tradition and um, conditioning. And it, it, is a, it is a very, very big leap. I mean, I... I mean, I only changed my life fundamentally in my early 60s. I'm now in approaching my middle 70s, but it was in my early 60s that I, it really hit me like a thunderbolt that apart from the fact that my choice of eating meat was such a cruel choice, and once I had, after watching that film Earthlings, which I think I've talked oh, yeah, about yeah. before, very very hard hitting, a whole array of uh, different like Dominion and Cowspiracy and things like that, um, understanding just how cruel those choices are, I found that devastating to begin with, and I knew after watching Earthlings that I would never ever ever contribute to that that cruelty ever again and that's I think about 11 years ago now and in that time I haven't touched a, a piece of animal flesh. But I think a lot of people won't watch Earthlings on the basis that they know what the ultimate repercussions will be and what they will have to do yes. should that happen yeah. and in, in people's lives I think they place in a layer of protection which means that they don't necessarily have to think about or worry about yeah. or admit that they are part of a of a global issue. Yes. Uh, and, of course, a lot of people aren't because of the way that they've chosen to live their lives, although, you know, I, I, I suppose we all are in some degree. But, but let me, sorry to interrupt you, Ryan, but I just asked this question. I'm not trying to um, in any way um, be on a, higher, on a higher ground with this. It's a genuine question. Why... Why should we be soft on people who are being soft on themselves? Because if you are refusing, I mean, so often people say, don't tell me about that, Mm -hmm. I don't want to hear it, Mm -hmm. or don't show me that, I don't want to see it. Which is the common response. Which is the common response. As we've we've discovered so many times. I mean, and I I say to those people, well, if I don't show it to you, are you going to change Mm -hmm. your habits anyway? If I don't show you how 
cruel intensive animal agriculture is, will that stop you eating meat? And so often the, the answer is, no, no, I, I love my meat, mm. or mm. I need my meat for my brain, or mm. I need my meat um, for my health. And it's not, ju- it's not just the meat, that's, that's the thing about this. That's, that's why the, the hill is potentially so steep, is that it's what the meat represents. So for so many people at Christmas, it's a turkey. Yeah. It, in summer, it's a barbecue. On Sunday, it's the roast. Yeah. It's not... You know, is the meat the most important part there or is the occasion the reason for the meat and therefore the most important part? Well, they go hand in hand and that's the strange kind of um, uh, deception really because there is this sense of you can't celebrate unless you have the fatted calf, Yeah, you know, and that goes from the Bible to now and probably pre biblical times. The point I was trying to make, um, and, and I, again, we always have to be careful in these conversations because people will say, oh, don't come, you know, don't come here with your, you know, don't give us your middle class liberal nonsense. Yeah, exactly. Keep it yeah. away from Keep me. Keep it away from me, yeah. So what sounds alienating and divisive, uh, this whole process of how you change your lifestyle and your diet um, in, involving with either cutting down or cutting out meat is all embracing rather than um, divisive because the end result is a greater, a healthier and a longer life for all humankind and all species with whom we share our wonderful planet. And that's a, that's a very cerebral way of looking at it and... I also think the argument that people have is that I don't have time yes. to have that cerebral thought. Yeah. And then there's a layer after that, which is, but I don't care to yes. have that cerebral yeah. thought. Yeah. I, 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 do you know what? I don't want to change my life. I, I want to have turkey. I want to eat KFC. I want to eat meat in the way I want to eat meat. I don't care enough about the animals. Yeah, And I think that that, that exists still in society. Oh, completely, yes. And the, and the, but, but the thing about that is, and I think this has been, as we've talked about the conversations we've had so far, is that I'm tired of that being the excuse because the science is so compelling now. Yes, absolutely. There is, there is nothing to dissuade or discredit those people who are giving us the science. The science is industrialised animal agriculture is killing the planet. Totally. That's it. Yeah. So in a way, you can believe all you want that your turkey at Christmas is the way forward mm. and you love it and you want to eat meat. Okay, that is that fine. That's your decision. What I am going to say is, You've got to listen to the science. Totally. We've got Absolutely. to get to that point. Yeah. And actually, Julia said something really interesting in the last conversation that we had in this podcast. And she said, well, if you go to a newspaper and you're saying to them, hey, guys, listen, you know, I've got some information here about the end of the world. Well, actually, the story is so tried and tested because of the science. They're not even interested in it. Yeah. There's nothing new about it. Yes. It's so part of our life now that the science is is pushing us into that position where we know how this earth is going to end yes and that's the bit that just blows my mind at the moment so it's to do with misinterpreted 
personal freedom in a strange way, like the big debate that's going on in America now mm. between rights, whether it's right for me to wear a mask or not. Mm. It sounds pedantic, but it's all to do with caring about future life. Mm. So if mm. people say, um, I'm, not, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not interested, I don't want to know about that, or I haven't got time, what people are doing is celebrating life by using death <laughs> in a strange yeah. way. Yeah. But also, what do we say to those people who say, I'm not interested in that. I want to do what I want to do now. I want to eat what I want to eat now. I want to care about the things I care about now. But I don't care about the future. And so do you say, well, do you have children? Do you want to have children? Do you not care about your friend's uh, children's future? Because we can all take what we want now and we can all eat everything that we can and enjoy it if that's what you want to do now. But you are signing a contract that's not going to allow mm. our descendants to have that choice. No, absolutely. And also when people look at their life choices, they see, you know, a, let's say a piece of meat on the plate or something like that, they're, they're going to see just one plate with yeah. some meat in and the, and the thought's going to be, and I've had this thought myself in the past, mm. well, about this is not going to make a massive difference to anybody. Yeah. Um, and also the, the animal's dead anyway, so what the hell? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and we're getting, I don't know, however, however many meals out of it. So yeah. actually this is a good thing. Mm. Well, actually, you know, that's, that's the problem is that we live in the confines of our own vision mm. so often. When Paul McCartney bought Meat Free Monday into the modern-day parlance, which mm -hmm. at the time was quite a forward-thinking sure yeah. um, progression. The point of Meat Free Monday was if everybody doesn't have meat on a Monday, the amount of life saved, the amount of animals saved, the impact on the industrial agriculture is, is huge. Phenomenal. And that's the point, you see, is that, you know, we're in a position whereby people don't understand the power that they have. Yes. Because it's not seen collectively. It's it, absolutely. I mean, it's it's very very interesting that, isn't it? And you see, I just wish, and I suppose we all kind of feel this about our own experiences because it, they're great experiences to us. And other people say, "Oh, give us a break! That would drive me up the wall." But uh, the the enormous variety of food one can find uh, when one gives up uh, eating meat and goes for a plant based lifestyle. It's so exciting. It's so tasty. Uh, it's so healthy. And it does save so many lives. And in saving so many lives, it does save our planet because we are not robbing our planet of all its nutrients in order to feed the animal that's going to feed us to celebrate life. Mm. So there is, a, there is a, this strange continuum and contradiction all the way down the line. And Meat Freak Mondays was a great idea. I'd be very happy if people stopped eating meat every other day. And, and actually, I think that that, where we are now, I think that is the way forward. Yes. Is, is if we say to anybody, and by, by we I mean anybody who, who, who's made a choice to stop eating meat or, or whatever that may be, if we say to anybody, right, that's it, meat's off the... T stop it, everyone. No, no, you know, vegetarian, veganism is the way forward and wave the flag. What we're actually doing, we're regressing into a past view of what vegans and vegetarians were, yes. which were quite militant, yeah. hitting people with their own didactic view on it. I actually think the way forward is to have 
good scientific evidence to say, if you stop eating that every week and everyone does the same, well, this is going to happen. And when you start to see the cumulative effects, and I believe that I genuinely, to my core, believe this to be the case, when people start to see the cumulative effects of their actions, that's when change happens. Until that point, it's... Well, what is the point? Do you think it is when people see the cumulative effect or when the the cumulative effect affects them personally? Because it's what's... Because always, as we find now in the voting season in America, it's what's in it for me? Am I better off now than I was four years ago, which is the quote that one keeps seeing. So in terms of the cumulative effect, do people see the cumulative cumulative (laughs) effect generally... Or do they only relate to it when it happens to them personally? Let's take Meat Free Monday, just because we've been talking about that, as a representation of of all sorts of things. So let's say Meat Free Monday occurs, and we've got however many people there are in the UK, and everybody on that day decides not to eat meat. Mm. And they go, that's that's it. That's that's all anyone has to do on Mondays is not eat meat. Then show what that equates to over the course of a day, a week, a month, a year. And I think when people see what that equates to, what they're contributing to, what they're being part of the collective consciousness towards, they will realise the power that the individual has in this situation. Yeah, You know, it, it comes back, I think I've mentioned this before, but I, I, find, I always find it mind-blowing that, you know, um, to make one burger, for example, takes 4,000 litres of water. It's because, staggering, yeah. Because of the process... Mm. from raising the, the, the beef herd to, to creating it. That's one burger. Now, if you take a cumulative action of that one person over a year, then amplify that across a population, the, the results are massively profound. Yeah. And that's the missing link, I think. Yes. Is that it's, we're not getting the cumulative actions across to people. We're still looking at life in a myopic bubble. Yes. This is what happens in my house. That's all that happens in the world. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, it, it's a huge... Um, it's a huge mountain to climb this in terms it of is. convincing. It um, is huge, absolutely. And, and that's why I, why I asked the question about the cumulative effect generally or personally, because I believe that people only really change when it affects them personally and deeply, when they can actually feel the change. And, and, the, and the, animal, the animal world is alerting us all the time to this. And this, this pandemic is the animal world making a huge statement. I don't mean to sound fanciful by saying that. But oh, it, it absolutely is. There's no question yeah. about that. And if people understood the threat that exists from industrialized animal agriculture, and what that threat will ultimately result in. And, you know, again, you say the word fanciful, and I think that's probably what a lot of people will think about that statement. Yeah. But, but it's not fanciful. Industrialised animal agriculture is the single greatest threat we face at the moment. Absolutely. Because as long as that continues, we are going to be at risk from ever more deadly diseases and viruses. Absolutely. And that's that's not again to middle class blokes having a chat mm. and coming up with worst case scenario 
That's reality. Yes. It's been scientifically proven. That's where we're headed. And the frightening thing is those people that sit behind industrialized farming want to make industrialized farming more industrialized yes. because they've got to get more out of it Absolutely. before the whole system shuts down, yeah. which is inevitability. Yeah. It's happening. Yeah. So everything's being squeezed and squeezed and squeezed. So that's where we are. Yeah. And, and that's not fanciful. That's not made up. That's just pure fact. Totally. Yeah. So, world, <laughs> listen, I mean, it's, it's, it makes sense to you. It makes sense to, to me. Um, and it makes sense on, on, on so many different levels. It certainly makes sense to me in terms of my health personally. Um, I would just say that I have never, ever felt better in my entire life than I do at the moment physically. Mentally is another question. <laughs> That's age, dear. That's age. <laughs> That's age, I know. That's age and the pandemic. And it's, um, that sounds, I mean, as I think about what I've just said, it sounds uh, awfully, you know, intensely self-congratulatory. I don't mean it to sound like that. I mean it to sound totally open and mm. inclusive way and not one where I think, oh, what a great fellow I am now. Mm. It's just that I feel good about the choices i've made absolutely and i you know this this is the this is the nub of the issue is that that's how you feel and there are always going to be people who criticize your way of life um as being indulgent yes yeah you mentioned earlier work um stresses the kids tradition all of those things play a part well actually you know what you don't have to do anything radical overnight. Even if you don't necessarily have great feeling towards the animals, have great feeling towards the science. Yes, absolutely. Even yeah. if you don't want to change your life, change something about your life and understand that the cumulative effect of everybody doing that will be massive. Mm. Just... Stop seeing these changes as us versus them. Yeah, as threats. As threats, yeah. you know, as, as liberal ramblings, mm -hmm. as being beaten over the head. It's, we're past that now. Yeah, absolutely. We've got, to pull to get, yeah. we've got to come together on this issue in a way that works for everybody. Yeah. Giving up meat once you've given it up, when you think back on it, it's an easy and a relatively simple thing to do because I now no longer even think about the fact that I don't eat meat because I just eat what I eat, which is plant-based mm, now. Mm. So I'm not every time I'm preparing a meal or eating a meal going, oh, look, I'm a vegan or I'm a, you know, I'm a plant-based goody-goody. I just think... This is what yeah, I it's love. It's not eating. part of your narrative it's, anymore. Exactly, it? it's yeah. just—it's my life. Absolutely. So, so all the things that people said to me, you will miss, are no longer in my life at all. And if it—if it wasn't something that is inevitably going to happen, the big business, the the supermarkets, the restaurant chains, they wouldn't be investing in vegetarian, vegan yeah, alternatives absolutely. at the rate, yeah. the speed, yeah. and the amount they currently are. Well, they know they've got a great returning captive market. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And that's the biggest change, is that it's not a dirty word anymore when you work, walk into a restaurant. Yeah, totally. It, it is actually a, it's, it's a fundamental part of the, of the uh, menu, which yeah. was never there before. Yes. 
What is very interesting is when, when I find myself standing in the um, vegan section in, in, in a supermarket aisle, so often people turn to me and smile saying, are you a vegan too? <laughs> and you don't see people, you don't see people by, by, the, by the meat cabinet turning and saying, oh, do you eat meat too? You know, I mean, they're saying, oh, is that any good? Or, you know, so it's, it's it, I think also as we, you know, another thing which is so vital, I think, to our lives and to everything and to science and to serious thought is that a sense of humor is the most important component, I think, in terms of our lives as well. I don't mean in terms of derisively, but I mean in terms of embracing things Mm. and being able to laugh about them. And I do hope that uh, whoever listens to this doesn't think that we are being sanctimonious or sitting on um, a higher moral ground, that everything we are saying comes out of a deep commitment and compassionate concern for all humanity and for our for our wonderful planet. As always, we would really like to hear your thoughts on this. Indeed. Please get in touch with us. The email's at the end of the podcast. Um, if I remember rightly, it's life at orangeplanetpictures.com. Drop us a line about what we've talked about here because one of the great things about this podcast is that it's an open forum. And it's an open forum for all manner of topics and conversations and thoughts. Absolutely. Um, We speak for, I don't know, half an hour, so we can't say everything we want to. So we let you do that. Indeed. And there'll be another half hour to come. And also, I'm hugely, Andrew, looking forward to our next arc of discussions, which is going to be um, about animals, in particular bears in Mm. China and Vietnam, and the dog meat trade, and we'll be talking to the inspiring um, Jill Robinson, founder of Animals Asia, and Lola, Lola Weber, the founder, one of the founders of Change for Animals Foundation. Change for Animals Foundation, that's it. Thank you for CFAF. And they are two of the most inspiring people I think I'm, I've ever met, and I look forward hugely Absolutely. to having a chat with them. And indeed, I look forward hugely to chatting with you again soon. Me too. Thank you, Andrew. We always want to hear from you. So whether you have a question, an observation or a suggestion, please get in touch with Peter and Andrew by emailing life at orangeplanetpictures.com or search for Orange Planet Pictures on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.